Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. All eyes are on the Middle East right now, and Dr. Charlie Dyer is a Middle East expert and host of The Land in the Book that you can hear on Moody Radio Florida Saturday mornings at 9. It is a great program. He is a good friend of the program. He gave us a lot of information about what's going on there right now and some of the history. Here it is. It's the most aggressive attack on Israel in decades, and nobody saw it coming. How could Hamas have pulled it off? Welcome to 5 Minutes, covering everything you need to know about the Hamas attack in Israel. I'm John Geiger with Dr. Charlie Dyer, the host of The Land and the Book. You hear him on weekends. Charlie, let's dig in. What made Hamas pull the trigger now? Well, Hamas said it was in response to Jewish presence on the Temple Mount during the Jewish Holy Days, but really, that's just an excuse. This took far more planning. It took weeks and months of planning. So I really see two reasons for the attack now. The first is the nine-month partisan divide in Israel. The country's been torn apart. They had thousands who refused to participate in the military reserve duty uh, and in military security services and pilots. The Hamas saw that and said, this might be a perfect opportunity. And then second, the peace negotiations with Saudi Arabia, uh, the Palestinians felt they were being sidelined as the rest of the Arab world connected with Israel. And Hamas used this as a way to force the Palestinians back onto the world stage. Well, everybody is asking, how could this have happened, though? What about Israel's high-tech sensors and spies and weapons? What about the vaunted Mossad? Why did none of these identify the attack ahead of time? I think the West and Israel and the U.S., all of us were caught uh, putting too much faith in high-tech. You can listen in on mobile phones, for example, but that only works if terror groups use their phones to make preparations. And in this case, it looks like Iran, Hamas, uh, went to -to face-to-face meetings in a very low-tech way that just flew under the radar. I'm sure hindsight's going to show that uh, there were scattered and unspecific reports of Palestinian terrorists planning something big. But uh, we can only see that after the fact and realize what it was. What are the military options open for Israel by way of response? What exactly could they do that would be effective in crippling the machinery of Hamas? Uh, Three basic responses. Uh, Two are immediate, one's more long-term. The first is an extended air campaign, like they've been doing. Uh, They can degrade Hamas, but they did this two years ago, and Hamas came back. It also has a possibility of causing collateral damage. The second option is the ground incursion. Last time they did that was in 2014, and that took the lives of over 2,000 in Gaza and over 70 Israelis. This time, Israel's goal is going to be to wipe out Hamas. I'm not sure if they'll be able to do that, but they've got to try and get rid of this problem once and for all. Uh, The third option is more long-term. We saw all those photos of Hamas fighters who captured Israelis and took their picture with them as they brought them back into Gaza. Uh, Israel is already collecting those pictures, those individuals. They're going to build a profile, and they will go after those fighters. The last time this happened in the 72 Olympics, it took Israel 20 years, but they tracked down and killed all those responsible. You're going to see that happening again. It'll take a long time, but Israel will keep at it. Everything you need to know about the Hamas attack on Israel. A five-minute focus here. I'm John Geiger with our host, Dr. Charlie Dyer. More on this, by the way, on this weekend's edition of The Land and the Book. Charlie, what are the Hamas leaders thinking? That Israel won't respond very strongly? I mean, can't they see that their aggression will cost hundreds, if not thousands, of lives from their own people? Don't they see how this conflict will likely destroy a huge chunk of their infrastructure? 
You know, the bottom line, they don't care. Uh, They're responsible for most of the misery experienced by the average person in Gaza since they took over in 2006. In the past, every war ended with money then pouring into Gaza to help rebuild, and a good part of that money was siphoned off by Hamas to take care of their fighters and to resupply their equipment. I would like to see this time, maybe it's going to be different, but I'm something of a skeptic. I think Iran will pump money in and weapons, and sadly, unless Hamas is eliminated, uh, they will continue in power and continue to grow. What aspect of this conflict do you think escapes many Americans, Charlie? At its core, this is a religious conflict. Hamas represents Islamic fundamentalism, and they say no land conquered for Allah can ever be given away or bargained away. They can't accept a Jewish state in the land of Israel. Their, their charter Uh, says that their goal is to create an Islamic state in Palestine that will stretch from the Jordan to the Mediterranean. It takes two to make peace, and Hamas will never be a partner for peace. All right, how can listeners right now to Moody Radio pray more effectively for this conflict? You can pray for wisdom on the part of Israel's leadership. Help them make wise and right decisions. Pray for the safety of those in the Israeli Defense Force who are putting their lives on the line to protect civilians. Pray for the civilians who are caught in this conflict on both sides, Jewish and Arab. Ask God to watch over them and keep them from harm and pray for the Jewish and Arab believers who are there. Uh, The ultimate hope in the Middle East is the Prince of Peace. Pray for them uh, as they seek to share that hope with those who so desperately need it. Let's talk a little bit about even what happened overnight, because what's been happening in Israel, the numbers are atrocious. They keep going up. I'm just uh, heartbroken by this. Uh, absolutely. In fact, what's hard right now is uh, the the amount of information coming out is is slowing to a trickle, uh, partly because I think Israel doesn't want Hamas to know what they're about, what they're doing, what they're planning. Uh, but the numbers that are coming out uh, are bad. You know, initially it was shocking to think three to four hundred terrorists came come into Israel with the intent of killing. That number is now fifteen hundred, <sighs> and uh, uh, you know that that's an invasion. Yeah. Uh, 1,500 armed individuals with their goal of, of just uh, killing as many people. And that doesn't include those who then went back into Gaza taking hostages, which are somewhere between 100 and 150 hostages uh, that were carried away. Uh, those numbers, well, f- from Israel's perspective, uh, there ha- haven't been as many uh, Jewish individuals killed in a single day since the, since the beginning of the state of Israel. In fact, they have to go back to the Holocaust to find a time when there's been that that's that that horrific a loss of life that's um that's just horrifying and just some of the clips that we saw people coming across the border on bikes and and just kidnapping people off the street now you had once told me i think it was you that every day just about there are missiles shot at israel so that's something they kind of are used to i'm not saying they should be but they are but the um, but the actual people coming over, yeah, that's that was the true shocking part. Although it shouldn't have been shocking, but you're right. Israel got used to living with the you might call it the low background rumble. You know, the occasional missile was shot, and Iron Dome would uh, would shoot those down. Uh, in this case, uh, Hamas shot somewhere between two and five thousand missiles in just a, sh- a few minutes, and their goal was to overwhelm Israel's Iron Dome defenses, and that worked. Uh, they uh, a lot of those missiles hit their targets, uh, but while that was going on, you had to have uh, uh, hundreds uh, now now fifteen hundred people at the same time uh, paraglide into Israel, go through the the uh, the uh, gaps they blew in the defense uh, into Israel, come into uh, attack tunnels, and even go around by sea into Israel. 
Uh, so they attacked from multiple ways. They went into at least 20 different uh, communities. They were they were well planned, so they sent teams into at least 20 communities wow. to try and kill as many as possible and then capture a number to bring back. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. Can we talk a little bit of, uh, well, it's such a complicated history. Um, I mean, you can go back to the Bible, but you can go back to World War II, which might be uh, good to talk about right now. And just the difference between Hamas versus the Palestinians who, you know, if you will. Yeah, and in, it's in actually just after World War II, 1948 is when, uh, or 47, the UN voted to partition the land into a state of Palestine, the state of Israel. Uh, the Jewish people there accepted reluctantly the partition. It wasn't really a great plan. It's like gerrymandering. Mm. Uh, but none of the Arabs or the Palestinians accepted it, and they said, we're going to wipe out Israel. Uh, in the war that followed, Israel ended up with more land than they had initially agreed to uh, accept. Uh, and that's the, uh, the the map that most of us oldies can remember seeing mm-hmm. the, the state of Israel. Uh, but they that still wasn't accepted. Uh, the, the Hamas itself is like an offshoot. Uh, they go back to 1987, and that's actually after the Six-Day War when uh, the Arab nations were going to wipe Israel off, push them into the sea, and Israel ended up with all of the West Bank, the Golan Heights, and the Sinai Peninsula. Uh, that was a shock to uh, many Palestinians. Uh, the, 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 there was a number of them who said, well, this is, this is Allah punishing us. Uh, we, we've not been faithful Arabs. And there was actually a call to an Islamic fundamentalism. And Hamas grew out of the, the uh, Egyptian uh, Muslim Brotherhood, which is an Islamic fundamentalist terrorist organization. Uh, so they actually had a relatively recent start. Uh, they, came, they came up rather rapidly. In 2005, they won the election uh, against uh, the PLO, well, the PLO, the Palestinian Authority at that time, uh, and uh, took over the Gaza Strip in 2006. Actually, throughout the the uh, Palestinian Authority in 2007, and have been there ever since. But their goal, their very essence, their charter, uh, is that there can be no state of Israel. That land conquered for Allah has to belong to Allah. There needs to be an Islamic state from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean, and they have not wavered from that goal. Yeah. Can we go back a second, a little bit uh, closer to when they did all the gerrymandering? And I'm I'm with you, but mm-hmm. they, did, they didn't do really a great job. But the whole reason they were allowed to do that was because uh, the Palestinians were on Hitler's side. They lost the war, if you will. Uh, absolutely. The, uh, in fact, uh, the, the Waqf, the uh, Islamic uh, religious leader uh, who was at the Temple Mount, who was over Jerusalem, uh, sided with Hitler and then ended up in Germany uh, reading propaganda, calling on the uh, people of the Middle East to rise up against the Jews and, and destroy them. Uh, he ended up, uh, after the war, uh, escaping and going into Syria, where he lived and died. Uh, but the, uh, yeah, they, they were So the hate for the Jews was a lot longer, but th- this is not the reason they hate the Jews. Oh, absolutely. In fact, if you go back, it's long before the UN vote to partition uh, there were massacres against the Jewish people back in the 20s, uh, long before there was a, a UN, long before World War II. Uh, it has been going on, and it's, it's again, it's not every, and you've got to be careful here. Not all uh, Arabs are, are, uh, are Muslim, and not all Muslims are fundamentalists. Right. Or, uh, you know, so in fact, it's a relatively small percentage within that group. 
But the Muslim fundamentalists say this is what the Quran and the Hadith teach, uh, that we're to uh, eliminate the Jews, that they are, they're twice cursed by God. Uh, they, you know, church replaced them, and we've replaced the church. And uh, there should be no, you know, they're, they're condemned. And so to have the Jewish people suddenly back in the land and then a state by the Jewish people, they see as an affront to Islam. And uh, the fundamentalists like Hamas are saying there's no goal apart from the total elimination of the state of Israel and the Jewish people who are there. We're talking with Dr. Charlie Dyer, Middle East expert and host of The Land in the Book, uh, that you can listen to here on Moody Radio, Florida, Saturday mornings, 9 to 10. Listen, it's a great program. And um, if you if you have a question for Charlie, he's willing to take a few questions if you want to call in, but you have to do it right now, 888 If you have a question for Charlie, 888 10. So, Charlie, um, the U.S. is getting involved in one way or another, uh, and I've heard all kinds of—there's an awful lot of talk going on, you know, b- uh, bad-mouthing and talking, and uh, we'll do this if you do that, and all of that. Is that helpful? Is it, What would you think, be, being someone who loves people all over the Middle East, um, what's the best way to— uh, pr- Prayer, of course, but what's the uh, second best way to approach this? <laughs> well, I, I, and, and the, the, in fact, the gap between first and second is humongous. Uh, Prayer is the greatest thing we can do. Yes. Uh, but up till now, President Biden's uh, bringing the fleet closer, the uh, the Gerald Ford and uh, you know the aircraft carrier and its task force closer to the Eastern Mediterranean uh, was a good thing. Uh, here's the here's the problem: whenever you make a threat. Uh, you need to be willing to follow up on it. And the question is, so if Hezbollah attacks Israel, will the U.S. step in? And uh, that's that's what they're trying to threat. Uh, that's the threat they're making. If you uh, stay out of this conflict, you're fine. If you attack Israel from the north, we will help uh, Israel attack you. Uh, I'm not sure if Israel wants us necessarily involved in it because uh, at some point when with U.S. involvement comes U.S. control, Mm-hmm. And uh, Israel basically is saying, let us fight our war. We know it's going to be painful. And we know it's going to be difficult, uh, but let us fight it. So uh, I, I think that threat, if it keeps Hezbollah from uh, getting involved, that's a good thing. Uh, if it leads to U.S. involvement, uh, that's you know, then you're opening a can of worms and nobody knows how that's going to end. Will from Frostproof. Will, you have a question for Charlie? Yeah. Hey, good morning, Charlie. I listen to your program a lot. I appreciate it very much. Um, got a question. How would any of this tie into uh, the Ezekiel 37, 38 war or the Psalm 83 war? I realize a lot of people are expecting the rapture first, and I'm not sure exactly where the rapture focuses because I think I look in the book of Revelation and it talks about the great multitude that no man can number that were martyred for Christ's sake. That's a lot of people. So I believe in the rapture, just not sure where it is. So what are your thoughts? Oh, thanks. Well, uh, I, I think the rapture is the next event on God's prophetic calendar. Uh, that group in uh, Revelation chapter 7, I think, come out of the Great Tribulation, and they're the, the response to the witness of the 144,000, uh, the first part of Revelation chapter 7. But in terms of the Ezekiel 38 and 39, the war there, it, it does say there there's going to be an invasion of Israel, but it says it's going to occur at a time when they're living in safety in a land of unwalled villages. If there's one thing that describes Israel right now, it's not that they feel safe and secure. Uh, but I do think what we're seeing right now, I have a, I have a friend who says, uh, what we're seeing right now isn't uh, uh, that things are falling apart. They're falling into place. And I think God's setting the stage 
when this war is over, I, I believe that Hamas will be eliminated as a, a major threat to Israel. Perhaps Hezbollah, we don't know that yet. But we do know that these are client states of Iran, and Iran is being uh, uh, embarrassed by this because they've been tr- using those to try and uh, impact Israel. It's not working. Uh, we know that in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that Persia is mentioned as one of the countries. That's Iran. Uh, Gog, Magog, Gog is from the land of Magog, and it mentions the far north, which is Russia. And it belie- I believe it also mentions there Turkey. Uh, and we're seeing those three countries coming together at some point. I think God's using these forces to draw those countries together and say, okay, plan A against Israel failed. It looks like they're feeling pretty safe, pretty secure now. Now's the time for us to launch our invasion. So we could be seeing the stage being set, uh, but it's certainly not ready to happen immediately. And, and, and I don't believe it'll happen until after God takes the church from earth and begins dealing with Israel in a very special way. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Will, mm-hmm. for the question. And Charlie, any last words you want to share with us about this? Well, I think the main thing is that we do need to pray. I mean, we, we always have prayer as kind of our last resort. It needs to be our first line of defense. And uh, right now we should be praying for Israel and for their leadership, uh, for the believers who are there, Arab and Jewish, uh, that God will protect them and also give them bold witness. Uh, we need to be praying for our leadership, uh, that they make wise decisions, Uh, This is a a complex and difficult mess over there right now, Uh, but only God can sort it out, and we have the access to God. So uh, we need to be on our knees uh, praying for this uh, on a regular basis. Okay, and we will be. And please come back and join us anytime you can. I'd love to, Kate. It's always fun being with you. Thanks for listening to Curtin Kate Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.